2: Welcome to College Football
1: Live, presented by Buffalo Wild Wings.
2: We're not practicing to beat somebody, we're practicing to beat
1: everybody. Y'all understand that?
2: We have to be at our best. We have to match intensities. Everybody has this game circled on their schedule.
0: That could be a high-spin, defining game.
2: Nothing's changed, just more people are watching.
1: This is not the Arkansas that we played last year. All bets are off. They're going to go to Georgia 4-0. The odds are staked against us if we try to shock
2: the world. We're playing Notre Dame, we're playing the top five program. So that to us is a big deal. This is the best team that we've played up to this point.
0: So far, I feel like every week on Friday, we try to tell you what the game of the week is, and we have no idea because it's been sensational every Saturday. It's College Football Live. Sam Macho, Jason Fitz, David Pollock hanging out at Athens. That's the site of the big game we've all got eyes on, and that's the game that we're going to start right away with. Arkansas taking on Georgia. Pollock, you're there. You know this place well. We've been talking all week about this matchup, but you got to think realistically. How does Arkansas pull off the upset in your mind?
2: It's got to be the passing game. We, we've seen Arkansas. We've seen K.J. Jefferson. We've seen so many running backs and so much speed on the field. they got to be able to throw the football down the field. You ain't going to pound Georgia's front seven. It ain't, it ain't going to happen. I promise you. You can watch them. They're dirty. It's unbelievable. They're so good up front. So can the passing game make enough plays to say, get some folks out this box because it's getting crowded up in here?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's going to have to be the passing game. A couple questions. Number one, is K.J. Jefferson healthy? If he's healthy enough to be out there, it'll be a different game. If he's not, it's going to be a long day for Arkansas. Obviously, you can lean on Traylon Smith, the running back. He's phenomenal. He's fast and he's shifty. But what I think is going to make a big difference, not only is that man right there number one, running the ball, but he has to be able to throw the ball. We saw him do it last week against a and He was throwing the ball against them. He threw it against Texas. He really shined in those two games, and then he would pull it down and run it. So KJ Jefferson offensively has the skills. And then the defense, that Arkansas defense. Yes, Georgia is the best defense in college football, but that Arkansas defense with Hayden Henry and bumper pull is not something to be played with.
0: Yeah, I think you make a great point, by the way. I mean, this Arkansas defense is great, and we still have no idea how good Georgia can be offensively. In the meantime, we know a ton about Georgia's defense and how amazing they've been throughout the course of the week. Obviously, it's been a lot of part of the conversation. Now, you can check out some of the numbers here. Points per game, yards per game, QBR, efficiency. They're just number one at everything. A bunch of studs that are playing absolutely lights out. Now, Herbie had the chance this week to visit with the Georgia defense. Here's a little bit of their conversation together.
2: One word you feel like describes this defense connected connected probably more connected than the uh, former defenses We like family, huh? Like outside of even football like we always hang, like we're always together Not to put down the previous defenses But is it is that every year or is this a little bit different this year? This whole team is just connected more uh, this year I feel like I can call up more than 90% of the guys I want to hang out there, you know that hit me up and they'll go, go hang out with me. We
1: took that to a whole nother level, like yeah. off the field. If Adam was moving out his house, I know it. Adam would call me, OK, let's go. Let's move. And we just building connection that we don't even know. Then when we get on the field, we thinking the same thing already.
0: You can see all of that feature tomorrow on game day where they'll also be previewing Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss taking on Saban and the Tide. You don't want to miss any of that as they are there to get you caught up on that matchup. Speaking of Ole Miss and the Tide, that's the other one we know they're going to be spending a ton of time on. Anytime you've got Lane Kiffin taking on Nick Saban, it's a big portion of the conversation. And obviously last year's matchup is a big portion of it as well. We're all hyped remembering what we saw last time.
2: Everybody kind of has this game circled on their schedule. You know, our players have to be ready for that. Nobody just beats these guys going in there, just magically beating them. You got to have this structure as a team, as a unit.
1: Touchdown! Just an explosive team. Just wants to dominate in every aspect of the game. Be fast, be physical, be able to run and throw the ball, and I think we will be in a good spot.
2: Respect, appreciation, gratitude, without a doubt, would not be here today without him. That's why we've had success here, because we've had a lot of good coaches and they've done an outstanding job. It's definitely exciting. These are the games you come to Alabama for.
1: Got the number one team in the country. Try to prove everybody wrong, so I can't wait.
0: I mean, if you're a fan of video game football, last year gave us all the offense we could need. Acho, how does Ole Miss pull off the upset here?
1: Yeah, well, the only way Ole Miss can pull off this offense, this upset, yes, it's a video game offense, but it's going to be exposing Alabama's defense. I think Florida a few weeks ago got a chance to expose Alabama's defense. Henry Toa Toa with all the shifts and all the motions, was trying to get lined up properly. A few times he was out of gaps. Christian Harris as well, he got confused by some of the shifts and motions. There's about 46% motion that Florida had in that game. And so if Ole Miss wants to win this game, they need to obviously lean on Matt Corral on that passing attack, but it's going to take empty formation shifts, motions, sights, and slants offensively in order to get past that Alabama defense.
2: Now, no doubt. And I, and I think when you look at the other side of the ball, Ole Miss, how improved is their defense? Uh, we saw them a year ago. They were awful. They were absolutely atrocious, knowing how to fit things, couldn't get a stop. Um, this year it's a different story. So can they continue that? Can they – can D.J. Durkin get these guys in position? Can they force some turnovers? This offense can score points. They're dangerous, they're lethal, their tempo can wear you out. But if their defense doesn't get off the field or doesn't get stops, you've seen in the past, it hasn't helped their football team. So, if this defense is really improved like we think it is, then Ole Miss is obviously going to
0: have a chance to not only beat Alabama, they can beat everybody on their schedule. Well, I mean, Pollock, let me quickly follow just to you here because I feel like every week when we talk, I say, how do you beat Alabama? And the answer is, outscore them. It seems obvious, but this defense does have some weaknesses. So, do, do you believe that Ole Miss can actually do what you just said? They, they getting, they're getting 40.
2: I mean, I, I believe Ole Miss can, can do what they want offensively. Um, you know, listen, they, not only do they have the, the, the system with, with Lane and company, but they also have the pieces. They have the quarterback, the most important part of it, where even when it breaks down, um, he still can make plays and get you a first down. And you watch how fast this offense will go ad nauseum, but they know how to shift. They know how to motion, and they'll know how to make you think. You know what Lane Kiffin did a good job of? Lane Kiffin came to Tuscaloosa with Alabama, and I think he took notes of everything that pissed Nick Saban off. Motions, shifts, no huddle, how to put people in conflict. And he went and he did all those things, and he continues to do all those things. If you go watch last year's game, it was a master class. They they embarrassed Alabama last year, and they have the pieces that are back in place to do the same thing again this year.
0: All right, well, that's just one of the massive SEC matchups that we've got coming for you over the course of the weekend. Obviously, week five has big SEC matchups across ESPN and the ESPN app. Got number eight, Arkansas, number two, Georgia, both 4-0. Get up at noon uh, Eastern between the hedges there. And then at six, it's number 10, Florida, Kentucky. Then number 22, Auburn is in Death Valley to take on LSU. What a Saturday of college football. Coming up here, though, just when you thought the season couldn't get any worse for Miami. Pretty sure it did. What's next and how did they get here? You gotta be kidding me. We'll break it down next for you on College Football Live.
1: College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings.
0: We took it all. We brought them to our land.
2: A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This
0: is just like what 2014 was Uh like. Like, there's a lot of wild stuff happening. And
2: now a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents the Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clip. We reshot the scene and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough a companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters, an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode.
1: Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time.
2: Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clips wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to College Football Live, presented by Buffalo Wild Wings.
0: All right, Miami has had a season to forget this year. Only two wins on the books so far, and let's not pretend that the type of wins hurricanes fans expected, wins over App State and Central Connecticut. Last night though was heartbreaking. Virginia grabbing the catch of the year for a touchdown, Miami missing the game-winning field goal as time expired. Manny Diaz and the boys are now 2 and 3. This season has gone off the rails. This is what coach had to say about it after the game. The five games have been disappointing
2: and there's no other way to say it. You know, there's there's no there's no excuse you can make it's not. It's not what this team is. Um, There's more in us. Our players believe that I think that's what was on display there late. But again, we've got to find a way to make the plays uh, at the end of the game. So um, this team will bite battle. This team will fight. Um, And despite all the adversity they've been through, um, we were on the verge of doing something really, really special tonight and and just came up short. And so uh, um, we got to take that part of it, we gotta, and we got to build off of that.
0: All right, there were high expectations for Miami coming in this season. David Pollack, where'd this thing go wrong?
2: Um, you know, it's interesting. We had this conversation last week on game day, and Kirk talked about the AD, the president, everybody buying in, and, and making football a priority, um, and that they haven't really done that. So that's part of the equation. Um, obviously, Mana Diaz is gonna is gonna garner some of the attention, but. It's just – it's so different to watch Miami over the years, and we've wanted them to be back so many different times. But um, the talent level isn't what we've seen in the past. And Derek King not being healthy. I think last year he masked a lot of different issues with this offensive line. And now coming back up on ACL, being banged up, then getting his shoulder banged up. Like, he he wasn't – he isn't able to perform at that high of a level. Listen, they're they're a transfer destination. You see so many people transferring in left and right, and at some point – you know they've got to build some culture and recruit at a high level and try to get this thing rolling again cuz it's been it's been not good for a while
1: now guys yeah, and I think even the issue, even just going to last night's game, you watched that game, you saw simple and silly mistakes. You saw a muff punt that went off of a face mask. And, yes, it was recovered, but that's a simple, silly mistake. You saw safety at, backed up at your own goal line. That's a simple, silly mistake. I mean, it was just like they were making mistakes that good teams don't make. That's what you see when you watch the film. You saw them giving up sacks. You saw all these things, right, not tackling well. That's what I saw when I watched Miami. It's somewhat of an undisciplined football team right there, that play right there. I mean, it's, it's just undisciplined all across the board. And so people get excited. You know, it's like, oh, we got these five-star recruits and we got these great recruiting classes. You need five-star coaches. You know what I mean? And, yes, Manny Diaz takes some of that blame, but it's the coaches under him, right? Look at the offensive line. Why are they not blocking the way you would expect a solid offensive line yeah. to block? I don't put that on players. I put that on the coaches.
0: Yeah, but just stick there for a second, Nacho, because by the
1: end of it all, doesn't that all fall under the umbrella of expectations for Manny Diaz? It does, it does. You know, and I know Manny Diaz. You know, he was at Texas, so I know him from then. I know him even uh, personally. And so I know that he's going to try and set a higher standard. But sometimes it's not just about the head coach. It's about the other people around you who are in those positions, Who's taking that responsibility? Going back specifically to offensive line, yes, we understand that some offensive linemen are injured, but there was some bad O-line play yesterday, right? We understand De'Eric King didn't play, but he hadn't been playing great all season. He's coming off of an injury, and so it's not about a backup quarterback or all these excuses fundamentally sound football is not being played in Miami right now.
0: Yeah, well, if there's anything I've learned from all of you guys around uh, the campus that played, uh, coaching and system matter to success for individual players. So uh, let's move on to some of the other games that you're super excited about. Let's hit some. Pollock, we'll start with you. What do you got? Give me some Cincinnati Notre
2: Dame, baby. Last year, Cincinnati started the case to say, hey, we want to be in the playoff. Um, with a great bowl game, an undefeated season, great bowl game against Georgia where you thought they dominated the game, they got a great opportunity. A top ten matchup against Notre Dame, Desmond Ritter and company. I tell you what, the, the sleepy backdoor topic for me is Marcus Freeman, the old D.C. of Cincinnati, going to Notre Dame this year, knows Desmond Ritter and all this Luke Fickle staff intimately. Can they move the football?
1: Yes, give me Indiana-Penn State. Penn State is fun to watch. Jahan Dotson, every time he touches the ball, you say, wow. And then Joey Porter Jr., number nine on defense. Those two players are the stars. I literally watched Jahan Dotson play, and I'm like, what? How? Wait, huh? And then Joey Porter Jr., I played with his dad, so you know he can ball. Smart, fast, physical, all the things you would want.
2: You also know you're old if you play with his dad, but Auburn versus (laughs) LSU, hey, when you look at this game, TJ Finley, LSU's starting quarterback. I mean, Auburn's starting quarterback probably. Bo Nix last week got pulled. TJ Finley, obviously, who was in spring ball at at LSU this past year, transfers over, probably going to start for Auburn. And the guy now that's starting, Max Johnson on the other side, LSU and Auburn both floundering, struggling. Somebody gets to win the game, which is good news for those teams.
1: Yes, and I'm not old, but his dad was old when I played with him. I'm going (laughs) B-C. That running attack is dominant. Pat Garwo is running the ball. Obviously, Jerkovic isn't playing, but it doesn't matter. That offensive line for B-C is dominant. And then Clemson, we got some questions. Ryan Brzee out for the season. Defensive tackle. Another defensive tackle. Tyler Davis, he's out. What will Clemson do versus a dominant B.C. offensive line? Yes, Zay Flowers plays receiver, but that offensive line, that running game is real.
0: All right, let's take a look at today's more-driven player presented by Goodyear, and it's Michigan's Blake Corum having a monster year this week. They're getting ready for Wisconsin. Corum's been unstoppable, untackleable, a beast in the backfield. Michigan looking for their first 5-0 start since 2016. Going to be a heck of a matchup. So, speaking of the Big Ten... How about the school we keep leaving out of the national conversation? Can Iowa be a playoff team? We'll take uh, take a look at it next.
1: College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Do you
2: ever get annoyed that the TV announcers always mention that you went to Harvard, or do you kind of like it?
0: <laughs> I secretly like it.
1: The rookie out of Harvard, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Arizona native who played at Harvard. That's the first ever Harvard to Harvard touchdown of the NFL. Brian Fitzpatrick out of Harvard is having a career season.
2: Nobody knows that Harvard actually has a football team. I'm
1: proud to bring attention to it.
0: All right, let's take a look at the Invesco QQQ top performance. That shout-out goes to Army quarterback Christian Anderson. Look at this, running for 236 yards, two touchdowns, running like a guy that loves berries and cream. Let's go! Absolutely epic performance by him. Swiggity swooty he went all over the place. It was amazing to watch, and that's what makes him the top performance. Now, one of the top performances we've seen around college football this year belongs to number five, Iowa. They're taking on Maryland. The question is, nobody's talking about them. Are they good enough to actually be a playoff team? Sam Hacho, what are
1: your thoughts on Iowa? Yeah, Iowa is good enough to be a playoff team. Here's the thing about Iowa. Iowa doesn't lose games. They let you lose the games for them. They're a fun defense to watch. They force turnovers. They have about nine, they have nine turnovers so far this season, and they score on defense. Spencer Petras doesn't do a lot, but he doesn't need to. They play fundamentally sound football on the offensive side of the ball. They don't make mistakes, and then they score. On defense, you got guys like Van Vankenberg, number 97, who knows how to play the game of football. And then you got just guys, Riley Moss, just around the football. Like, that's what I see this team when I watch them. So I get excited about Iowa. And and you see it, you say, okay, they don't really have a great dominant offense and defense, you know, it's kind of a boring football team, but they consistently win. You saw it against Iowa State, consistently win against Indiana. They make you make the mistakes, and then they do the rest.
2: I got you and it sounds really really good but at some point you will have to outscore people and their offense just leaves a lot to be desired you saw it last week at Colorado State I mean they just I, I don't know that they got enough firepower I think defensively you think about it going against the team like Ohio State that I don't think Ohio State is great defensively but it's obviously weakness on weakness that offense is going to score so tonight going against two uh, Italian uh, can, can Tungavalo, they, can they put some points up? And if Iowa has to score you know, some week and get in a little bit of a shootout, can they do it? I don't think they can. I don't think they can run the table. I think they have to play like Alcho just, or Sam just said, was play really, really good defense, uh, play good special teams, create turnovers. But what about those games when you don't have that? It will happen on your schedule. Do you have enough offense? I don't think they do to go undefeated and be a national champion.
0: Yeah, Acho, uh, that raises a good question. I'll steal this from Harry Douglas that I work with all the time digitally. Like, there's a question about whether they have the speed and athleticism. Can you just be fundamentally sound and win games against better athletes with better
1: speed? Yeah, that's the question. And and, and that's the question Iowa has not been able to answer, if we're just being realistic. They haven't been able to beat those big teams. But if you go and look at their schedule, uh, you know they could, they could run the table. Like, that's it's as simple as that. The way they're playing football, they could run the table offensively they're, they're, uh, they don't have any offense. It's as simple as what? that. They don't ask Spencer Futures to do a lot, but he doesn't need to right now. All right, Acho, who you got in the game? I got Iowa. Pollock, who you got in the game?
2: I got Iowa, too. I got questions about uh, Maryland's offensive line and if they'll run the ball consistently. But I do think it'll be a close game.
0: The one thing I know is no matter where you watch college football on Saturday, you can see all of us. We appreciate you hanging out with us. This is College Football Live. Pollock, Acho, I'm Jason Pitts.